episode of the internet's most hated mafia themed geek podcast long coat mafia podcast it is i the one the only reverend godfather aka the martinsburg madman aka this show's frontman and main host and as promised not just earlier this week with our first bonus anniversary episode but with our second bonus anniversary episode uh, we stated that we're going to be putting out a few extra bonus anniversary episodes uh, for the next couple of days or so in regards to uh, for those who are coming off of Awesome Con at the beginning of this week, which was like uh, June uh, 17th and 18th. So we're doing this for them and for all of you who are also gearing up for whatever con there is right now going on, whether it be a major con, like what we just had earlier this week, Awesome Con, or whatever upcoming cons, either locally, that are small, like here in the West Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania area for State Comic Con, or if it's something larger, whether it be something like the San Diego Comic Con, or Otacon that's coming up in August, or something like that. Whether it's big or small, we're prepping you right now for that. If you can't go to one, for whatever reason, we got you covered with these bonus anniversary episodes. Check them out. Share them. That's what they're here for. That's what we want you to do. Uh, If you see our links on social media, regards for these episodes... Please, share them out. Share them out. We want the coverage and everything out. We'll explain on the other side of this episode. And like I promised, I'm cutting out pretty much a good chunk of these retrospectives. Uh, I'm just trying to keep the maybe an intro and the interview or the panel, and that's it. Or if it's a panel, just the panel. That's it. You'll hear the introduction here like this. In this particular episode, you'll... It's a twofer, and the first person I'd like to mention is Michelle Knox, who is best known for her role on the long-running show Pokemon as Jessie. That's right, that Jessie. Or I should say, Team Rocket's Jessie. Whether or not uh, we'll get the final episodes of Pokemon here in the States, either dubbed or subbed, I don't know, but... She has voiced the legendary Jessie for Pokemon. I'm sure she's done a lot of other roles throughout her career, but that's what she's best known for. Plus, we'll also have in this episode our interview with with Samantha Newick, who is best known for her role in the 1980s cartoon. Jem and the Holograms. That's right, she voiced Jem, and I think she voiced one of the other characters as well in that show. I'm not sure if she's done other work past that. I think she was in the Jem and the Holograms movie as well. And to reiterate, we are cutting out the... the int- We're not cutting out any intros for the interviews. We're just cutting out the tail end of everything. Not to mention what you'll hear is the our stay tuned message, and you'll hear the uh, retrospective intro for everything. And after that, after everything's said and done, you'll hear the welcome back that the retrospective ender. Uh, welcome back, and you'll hear me close out the show. And that's it. We're trying to keep things tight. So that being said, hey George, cue the music. We'll be right back with more of the Long Coat Mafia podcast. You're listening to the Long Coat Mafia. Capiche? 
Hello folks, we're, we're back at uh, the Winter Pop Culture and Comic Wonderland in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. I'm here with the one and only Michelle Knotts, and who's more well known for her character Jessie in the recent inclinations of Pokemon. Um, give her say a few words. Hello, hi, uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> it's a pleasure, pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, well, what, uh, I know, at least on your, I don't really put much stock in IMDb, but uh, how'd you become a a voice actress start out. What was it? Said something about uh, uh, winning a BAF contest. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, in 2003, uh, the Big Apple Anime Fest, uh, which um, they haven't run it in a few years now, it was at the Marriott in Times Square in New York, and uh, they were having a contest. They called it Anime Idol, kind of like you know, like American Idol kind of thing. So uh, we had to prepare a monologue, and then we had to match, um, do dubbing, like match to flap and stuff like that, and then. Uh, they had like some other um, little contest things, and uh, I won my first role as Hajime Yagi in the world of Naraway. So it, it was a short little twelve episode series that was done by Central Park Media. Um, they're they're not around anymore either, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got my start into it. I was a theater major and I studied radio and television broadcasting. I was working at MSNBC, but like I hate news and I <laughs> I hated working there. So. Um, I was looking for something different. Um, and theater can be tough, you know, especially on Broadway and everything. The competition is fierce. Uh, so so I decided to pursue voiceover, and I got a vocal coach, and I made a demo, and I mailed it out everywhere, and now I'm here today. <laughs> uh, did you see... Uh, being Pokemon, uh, did the folks from, who put that out approach you, or did you go for a general audition? Um, I went. I started uh, voicing Jesse at season nine. Uh, so what happened was uh, they were changing where they were going to record it because it was originally at Four Kids, and then they uh, changed it to Taj Productions. Um, that's all like legal stuff that I don't know anything about. <laughs> um, and uh, they were having auditions to recap the show, so I auditioned for like all the ladies, you know, all the ladies came in audition for all the ladies. Uh, so, and I got Jesse. So, I I was uh, so I started at season nine, and now we're on season twenty. So I'll be doing this for almost twelve years. <laughs> it's uh, because I, I've seen some of the folks who've been listening for a while know that I watched the uh, documentary, know that voice. Is Jesse considered a legacy character because you took it over from someone else? Uh, so, thoughts on some voicing what can be considered a legacy character? Yeah, uh, it, it happens a lot. Um, they, a lot of voice matching is usually done in the voiceover world. Because, uh, you know, like for, uh, what is it, the Clone Wars, like they're not going to get Ewan McGregor to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, they get James Arnold Taylor, who sounds very similar to him. So, it's the same with like Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. You know, it's tough to get Harrison Ford or Mark Hamill or... You know Carrie Fisher for Princess Leia, so they have uh, voice matching for that. The same thing happened with like Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, One Piece. Um, a lot of a lot of times they'll they'll switch studios due to whatever issues they're having with the current studio that they're working with, and you know these things kind of happen. So uh, yeah, so I I tried to work my butt off and sound to close as Rachel as I could. Uh, the original voice was uh, Rachel Lillis, so so I tried as hard as I. <laughs> I know um, that there are toys of Jesse out there, some floating around. Um, I know from way back listening to podcasts myself, uh, the the person, the voice actor who voiced um, Lionel, once told in an interview that seeing his himself as that character and oh, voice, yeah. he had a blast going to toy stores and you know. <laughs> Voicing that character, oh, in in the line of voice, oh, you want to buy that character? Have you done that yourself, pranking uh, people? Yeah, they're mostly mostly for the the we call them the creatures, mostly for the Pokemon. Um, so the plushies that they have, so. 
um, if there's like a Piplup out there or a Prinplup or so, like it's me. So yeah, going into the store, I actually have one at home, which is funny. So it's it's more so the the creatures than like the human characters. So um, yeah, they talk more like the plushies. People want like the plushies more. So yeah, it's cool. It's it's awesome. <laughs> and also, according to IMDb, you voice a lot of video game characters aside from the Squirtles and so forth. Um, one thing I I've been hearing a, a little bit through the pipeline. I didn't get to ask uh, Phil Lamar uh, that much when I saw him briefly a few months ago. Uh, do you know anything about the uh, voice actor Guild Strike in regards to oh. the video game aspect of things? Right. Yeah. Now, um, you don't have to for whatever legal. <laughs> I'm going to say this for whatever legalities there are out there. Uh, just if you want to gloss over them, that's fine. You know, <laughs> just just kind of mention because that it doesn't. I haven't heard that much word about it. Uh, just if you like, just go into it in reference to why there there was threats of a strike and so forth and so on in regards to that. Right. Oh, they actually are striking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah it went to a strike. I know yeah. he said that they were going to rene- renegotiate, but I I think they're still trying to. Work. Um, if you Google it, um, yeah, it's an interesting read. You should really look it up. Like, uh, just Google it, and they they are actually striking now. I think they interviewed actually Phil Lamar. I, I remember seeing him uh, on a video on how I can't remember which news article it was or which news um, company it was, but um, I know they interviewed Crispin Freeman and Phil Lamar and and a few other people I can't remember. But yeah, um, there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. A lot of people are saying like, oh, well, you get paid like you know two hundred dollars an hour, you should be fine. But people don't realize that when you work on a video game, you work on that video game and then that's it. You're done. Then you have to audition for the next video game. Like, this isn't like, you know, you're... I I mean, I guess it's the same with film, but even though it pays, like, a lot more. Like, you work on a movie. So the movie's, like, two hours. So you're filming for a year, maybe two years, and then that film stops. And then you have to work on the next film. So, like, video games are kind of the same. Like, we voice the video game... And you're you're either paid hourly or like a buyout for it, depending on you know what they negotiate in the contracts. And you know, then that's it. Then you have to audition for the next game that comes out. You know, so uh, like a lot of people don't understand that it's like you know we're not making like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a month per video game or anything. Like we're constantly you know auditioning and working and because auditions you don't get paid for anything. Like you don't get paid for auditions at all. So uh, and um, voice actors don't get residuals. Uh, oh, they don't. You no. think with a lot of the cartoons and well, out there, they um, video games specifically. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I, was, I was about to say with with uh, TV shows. Um, I don't know about Pokemon, but TV shows like Simpsons and I guess stuff like right. that, and movies and TV, you get residuals. But yeah, with video um, games, that's what was kind of explained to me. With video games, you don't really get the residuals. Right. As you do with TV and movies and so forth yeah. and so on. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's a different yeah. It's they're all different mediums. Like whether you're doing like commercials and it's even different like commercials for radio, commercials for TV, animation, video. Like they're all in their each different sections. It's hard to explain. Yeah, uh, Billy West said uh, that when he does his infamous Eminem commercial, they do exist. Eminem Mars has to come up to him and say, "Listen, we're going to reissue that commercial." You were in it. We have to pay you. We have to give you the residuals. We right. have to redo the contract with you. So there's difference with that. So I, for the folks at home, I'm, Michelle is <laughs> nodding here, but it's just I, me explaining it to you guys at home. What a little bit of the legalities? Yeah, we're glossing over it, but still, there's that aspect right. in regards to it. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot more detail that goes into each separate contract, each individual commercial or animation or video game. Um, this particular strike is video game specific. Like, it doesn't have to do with animation or commercials or movies or anything like that. It's just video game specific. Especially the ones like Call of Duty, ver- like, anything to do with, like, soldiers, and you're like, because there's a lot of screaming, and one of the um, negotiations that they're trying to work out is the fact that you're screaming and screaming and screaming, get down, shoot him, on the floor, you know, for hours and hours and hours, and you're not getting a break. So 
that really puts a lot of vocal strain. I've read, this has never happened to me yet, knock on wood, <laughs> but like people have like bled through their throat, throwing up in the booth, you know, because their body can't handle it anymore. Like, you know, you can't keep continuing screaming, screaming for hours and hours like that. You like, you need certain breaks, water, you know, you should um, separate the sessions into multiple days. Not just, okay, so we're going to have an eight hour session today of you doing nothing but screaming in Call of Duty. It's like, what? You can't do that. <laughs> so they're trying to have it, you know, split up into separate days, which makes sense to me. It's like, okay, we know you got to get the game done and the deadlines and everything, but you can't like put so much strain on a person like that um so so yeah this strike specifically is for video games so not yeah any of the other mediums to get extras to help what phil kind of said at the uh when i spoke to him briefly there was a line behind me you can't really talk too much um especially in a larger obviously you know larger cons it's kind of hard to do something like this um in from what he said it's it's I don't know that screaming and part of what I again I heard it's with someone like Phil and yourself going from who have a contract with someone a company like Pokemon or a show like Pokemon or Venture Time or you name it the countless TV shows that are out there this is your steady job right and doing all that screaming you still there's no medical or where you might get medical with a steady work environment like Pokemon or that sort of thing so they they need that extra fundage so it I'm glad to know more thank you for that yeah, um, yeah definitely like Google it, it it's, a, it's a really interesting read and you can you can find more details about it than you know what I can give you right now <laughs> that, yeah. you know, for further details uh, use your advanced Google ninja skills or whatever you want um, <laughs> I know this might not be a direct, um, it's going to be more so your opinion. What are your thoughts about like more Asian animation versus the American style? Oh, okay. Um, so, I, I think... Uh, what, I, what I'm asking is because obviously you're watching the show as you're, you're uh, recording your lines, I, I think in some cases, right? Oh, are you talking like more dubbing versus oh, prelay or... Uh, oh, why not both? Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, dubbing is you're, you're taking a, a show from a foreign language and replacing it with your language. So generally with those, we record separately. Like we're each individual in the booth by ourselves. And you're constantly looking at the monitor and looking at a script. Because um, in your headphones, you hear a series of beeps. There's three beeps. It goes beep, beep, beep. And then on the we call it the fourth phantom beep, you start speaking. And that's uh, what the time coder does is puts in the time in and out that uh, computers, yay! So uh, you can put into Pro Tools, it's nice and easy, and we start talking. So they can like stretch it or, or shrink the the line in order to make it fit inside the flap. We're very meticulous in the United States, which is funny, about lip flap. Because if you watch a lot of anime, a lot of times they don't really care about the lip flap, <laughs> and they'll go off and the mouth will still be moving or not moving. Um, but with Prelay, for something like Futurama, the Simpsons, things like that. They record the voices first, animate afterwards. So sometimes they could be in like a group setting. Some, I think maybe the Venture Brothers recorded together as well, like in a big room, as compared to like dubbing where you usually record separately. Sometimes they'll do prelay separate. It depends. It depends upon like what the producer and director want to do, what they're more comfortable with, um, what they're used to working with. So yeah, but um, generally. Uh, yeah, so so prelay, if you know, prelay is uh, animated. I mean, animated after record the voices first. Dubbing is it's already animated, and we have to record the voices afterwards. So um, with um, with Japanese anime, I I think it's geared a lot more towards teenagers and adults, where you could have. Um, themes more like The Walking Dead where, you know, is more for like an adult show. <laughs> and a lot of American cartoons, which which there is like some a good amount of violence in, like Batman or Superman or something, um, I think is geared more towards younger audiences because like anime can also deal with relationships, which in I think in American 
animation they don't like dive into as much as they do in anime so um, I think it's different. there's different restrictions um, in the best country. way to kind of describe it would you say uh, American animation is more Victorian in theme meaning that yeah. it's uh, kind of held back and where in some of the Asian or European markets it's anything goes let's do it <laughs> um, if we need to run up over a person with magma let's run over the, like wait what <laughs> yeah um they here in America, well, not so much with like the cable channels, but with the local channels, you got like NBC, ABC, CBS, um, Fox. There's a thing called standards and practices. The censorship is more restricted. Right. The sense, like for the local channels, not so much like the cable channels, like Cartoon Network. The the local channels have standards and practices where they're a lot more strict on censoring things. Um, whereas in like other countries, you know, they're a little more easygoing, you know, about that kind of thing. Yeah, I heard at one point through several people who were talking about importing uh, Japanese animation, including shows like Pokemon, where it's, once it's imported over to the um, United States, half, up to maybe half or more is cut out due to our censorship instead of right. the European. So Yeah, that's why I, I think they changed Pokemon a lot in, in Japan as well to try and meet more of the standards of practices here, so it can sell better, not so much heavily edited. Um, like, you know, no guns, no nudity, no anything like that, you know, so... Um, so it's easier. They, they do have to edit out, uh, I know, like the beginning and ending of the songs a little bit. I know they go longer in Japan, uh, but that's because of the commercial time, too. There's a lot more commercials in the United States than there are. We like our commercials. So <laughs> so they have to try and fit also the commercial time into the show. So, um, it, which usually isn't, it's not like five minutes long. It's usually maybe like a couple, like a minute or like, but like, like that much minute, you have to try and figure out where to take it out because like even like 60 seconds of something could seem like a lifetime when you're editing it so yeah I remember watching Yu-Gi-Oh way back in the day uh, coming back from a commercial and it's like okay something happened they cut something out they cut right. something out yeah because something happened between A and B now Yu-Gi's down 50 500 life points what the hell happened <laughs> so um, but to kind of go back to Pokemon a little bit uh, recently I saw that uh, it was kind of leaked. The first episode of Sun and Moon was leaked here in the United States. Oh. <laughs> um, will you be a... Don't, you don't have to go into details. It'll just, will you be a part of the new... dubbing the new series if it comes to the United States? Oh, well, I can say like uh, it's aired in the UK and uh, it's actually going to air tomorrow. So uh, the first two episodes of Sun and Moon will be tomorrow. I'm not exactly sure what time. Um, you can Google it. Um, it's going to be on Disney XD. We're not on Cartoon Network anymore. So it's going to be on Disney XD tomorrow, December 5th. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what time, but you can, you can, you know, go to the Disney XD website. And the oh, and the movie. Which one is it? The Volcanion movie. And they're going to show, sorry. <laughs> and they're going to show the Volcanion movie tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I, I can say that I'm in it because um, it aired in the UK, which is actually, so it's still English because the UK, yeah. they speak English. So, uh, my name is in there. It's in the credits. So, I can say like, yeah. So, so yeah, we started that up and yeah, we'll be moving forward. Um, I know this is. I'm going to ask this for the for the fans uh, because at one point I saw um, there was a meme for about Jesse and James saying they were the um, both people loved each other the most, but they somehow friend zoned each other at the same exact time. Uh, being part of the program for so long, what are your comments of Jesse and? James. I it's funny cuz like I I don't know if she treats him really bad. <laughs> I mean, even though, like, I voice her, it's funny. I'm like, wow, she's really mean to him sometimes. But <laughs> but they're funny. Like, I... I but it seems like they both like, like each other. Yeah. But at, at the same time, they there's that dynamic that they somehow friend-zoned each yeah, other. You know? I feel like they're in, in the friend zone. They're, they're more like uh, like a brotherly sister type kind of love-hate kind of thing. Um, I, 
I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's animated in Japan and stuff. I don't know where the writers are going to take it. I don't know where they're going to go in the future from here. Like, none of us know that. Like, they don't tell us anything. Uh, but, the thing, <laughs> but the thing is, in the Jap- from what I hear in the Japanese original, at least in the manga version, oh, okay. they they got married, they oh. had children, and <laughs> but that's that's the Japanese here in the States, and I guess there's that yeah. whole standard. You can't really have that. That's that dynamic, but I had to at least ask. Um, right. Um, <laughs> what about some of the other animes you've... You're not... Even though you're still working with Pokemon, what other... And you mentioned one prior. Are there other animes you've done in the past? Yeah, uh, I can announce... I just posted this on Facebook. I'm Karina in uh, the One Piece film Gold movie, uh, which is going to be in theaters January 10th to the 17th. Um, you have to Google that, too, because it's only in select theaters. It's not in, like, all movie theaters, you know. Um, I think they did that with the Dragon Ball Z movie, too. It was only in, like, like select theaters for a certain amount of time. So uh, so that's exciting. That's going to be coming out. Um, yeah, I, I was Ogiyoe Chika in Genshiken, uh, Koyuki Asagiri in Kujibikan Balance. Uh, who am I? Uh, Cho and Shiryu in uh, Ikitosen, Tomoe and Irie in Queen's Blade. Um, video games, I was Elisa Baskanovich in Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Lilia Sotome in The Guided Fate Paradox by NIS America. Uh, and lots of other things. You, you can Google me. I'm at michellenotts.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. It's just Michelle Knotts. I think I'm like the only Michelle Knotts out there. I don't know. Coin <laughs> uh, can... to IMDB. Yeah, you are. Oh, as far cool. as I <laughs> Okay, cool. Nice. So, yeah, you could like, um, you know, just Google my name. And uh, I update the website frequently. So I got, um, I list all the conventions that I'm going to be at, the new things that I'm working on. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, do you have any favorite conventions to go to or anything like that or want to talk about conventions? I, I love I love all the conventions I go to. I, I like to do more West Coast because I've, I've been like from Maine to Florida, you know, all the way. I've done all like East Coast conventions. Um, so I'd like to, I did go to San Japan in Texas in September. That was September. That was a lot of fun. So I'd love to branch out more to like the West Coast conventions, which would be really cool. So yeah, everybody like kind of knows me on the East Coast. So I'm like, I need, I need to get out there more. So I'd love to do more, more cons out there. Like California, better weather. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Is there anything else I want to ask? No, that seems to be about it. Um, I think we talked about voicing Jesse a lot, um, a little bit. Um, is, uh, I guess I could ask one little extra question about Jesse. Have you put uh, your little spin on her, that character after replacing the role from the previous? Um, I kind of, you know, I, I, I try to keep well. Above all, we have to listen to our director. You know, whatever the director wants, we have to do. <laughs> so, so we read the lines, and if the director wants to change it up a little bit, uh, make it a little more serious, a little more goofy. Also, it depends on like the animation. See, like prelay, you have a lot more freedom than dubbing. Like dubbing, you have to you know watch the character. What are they doing? Their facial expressions, and you have to match that. But like prelay, you have a lot more freedom because like they animate afterwards. So it's like if you want to read a line like really crazy and zany or something like that then they can animate to it. So prelay, you have a, yeah, a little more freedom, and dubbing, you kind of have to do what's on the screen. So you work closely with your director on how you want you know, the character to be portrayed, but at the same time, you have to see what's going on in the animation first. So so that's why we watch it first. We usually watch it first, and uh, you like, we'll watch it in Japanese, and then go back and record it in English. So, yeah. <laughs> um, one last thing. Uh, any word for the folks at home? or listening uh, that want to break into the uh, voice acting business? Any advice or... Yeah, uh, the the most important word that they say in voice acting is acting. So <laughs> so it's good to like do community theater, do like theater at your school, if you're start, like high school or college, get involved with like the theater programs or like even like the radio st- like all schools have radio stations now um, and everything is all digital. So like learn how to do that. I would say a lot of people have home studios, learn how to edit, like learn computer programming, not like not like IT computer programming, but like um, editing software. Like, 
like uh, Audacity right. or uh, just an audio garage band right. and so forth and so forth? Yeah, learn how to use the editing software because a lot of times people will say, oh, do you have a home studio? Can you record this audition at home? So you don't have to do a lot of traveling, which helps. So, so I would say, yeah, definitely in school, take those kind of classes. Like, learn editing, learn acting. Um, yeah, and that'll that'll help you out for like the beginners in high school or, or college to start out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, thank you. Uh, I'll thank send. You. Uh, nice you. I have your business cards from Chris and all that. I'll let you know once the episode's po- Great. Oh, posted. Thank you very much. Thank- <laughs> Just to cut in for a second to say that was Michelle Knox. Now it's time for Samantha Newark. Hello, folks. Um, this is Reverend Godfather. I'm still at the Winter Pop Culture and uh, Comic Wonderland in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. I'm here with the very lovely Samantha Newark, uh, who most of you, if you are old enough, remember her voicing the lovely Jem from Jem and the Holograms. And I think it was uh, she, she had an alter ego as well, right? Yes, the alter ego was uh, Jerica, Jerica Benton. Um, I'm going to start it out simple. Uh, what's it like being a voice actors and how did you get started in being a voice actress? It's a wonderful, wonderful gig and finally this, all the celebrities figured that out so I mean a lot of the animated films you see now, is, it's huge huge star names but it's such a great, I started off um, singing I'm still a singer songwriter so it was kind of a very a medium that was very uh, comparable in a way so I took to it like a fish to water and uh, just uh, loved it. With, um, I was going to ask you uh, in reference to singing, you sung. You just said you sung in the past. Uh, how prior to the role of Jem, uh, how long were you singing? Um, I didn't do the singing for Jem. The music was all done in New York. Oh, I was going to ask you if you were sung for Jem. Yeah, it was. It was a big secret at the time. They did a lot of that in the '80s, but um, all the voices, the singing voices, were cast in New York uh, before they hired the voice actors. So basically, they were matching our speaking voices to the singing voices. And Britta Phillips is a singing voice and she's also a voice actor and I'm the speaking voice but I'm also a singer-songwriter so so you two kind of collaborated on some of the stuff no, or not actually, no we nobody actually had the opportunity to meet during the run of the show it's only been since the comic book conventions that we've all kind of started to reunite over the years so um, um, kind of how do you view or because Jem's been around for many many years do you th- um, think that in now it's still on Netflix do you think Jem has the aspect of a, um, I don't mean this in a bad way, a positive female role model for ch- uh, girls out there? Absolutely. I mean, I I don't see a whole lot out there for young girls. I know there was a there was a big, you know, the, a lot of fans were mad about the the live action film that came out last year. But at the end of the day, it's a female driven film with a positive message for young girls and for kids. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm all for that. And there are so many universes of gem, there's robot chicken gem, there's the the comic book gem, there's the original cartoon, there's the film, uh, there's even jizz for the adult gem people that know what I'm talking about. I, 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 I'm, I'm oddly horrified to know and oddly curious uh, of kids at home that might be listening to this, do not, do not, do, do, do not, do not, do not, it's a no, no, no. Um, but um, going to the dark side. <laughs> you, uh, it seemed like uh, Jim was part of the again part of that tr- eighty early eighties mid eighties trend of uh, music video type cartoons. With um, I think Jim was a during the week show versus a, a Saturday morning show. I don't I don't really remember to be honest with you. I, I I had to look it up myself. Yeah, but it was it was the dawning of MTV pretty much. I mean MTV came a little before Jim, but it, they, it was groundbreaking in the sense that they had like real music videos in the middle of the cartoon, you know, with the credit of like you know Twilight in Paris by Gem and the Holograms, and it was great. And, and they incorporated it into each episode. Because you see, uh, with that uh, Gem knocking the 
cartoon at all because, again, I had to look it up uh, because I remember seeing these shows as kids. You had Vid Kids, you had Kid Video, which was on both were Saturday morning. That you know somehow uh, incorporated a um, a video or a parody or a cover of a song where Jem had a rich two-minute little snippet or a minute-long snippet from both aspects of it. Um, also, you were all not only Gem. You were also part of the Transformers. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I play Ariel. Actually, I did three different characters. I was Ariel, who transforms into Alita One. Um, Alita One was actually played by Maureen. Um, oh my gosh, Maureen Aragon, who's the voice of Synergy in Gem. And uh, RC is played by Sue Blue, um, who played Stormer in Gem. So I play a pink robot Ariel, and I also play a high school girl named Elise Presser, who's building a robot. Did like two episodes of that and then I did um, a Zamagen Empress so it's pretty awesome to be a part of the Transformers brand as well as the Gem brand because they're you know they're so so iconic they just don't make the cartoons like they used to you know uh, being that I said being uh, part of two iconic cartoons um, <laughs> one that obviously came from uh, the Asian market and I think Amer- uh, Gem was from the American market uh, what is um, what's it like being part of two in essence iconic classic cartoons that are out there. I mean, you don't think about that when you're doing the work. You know, you just, uh, you're just hoping to do the best work that you possibly can. Um, I don't know, I don't think any of us really knew that we'd be here still talking about this work that we did. Um, but it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's really, it's a treasure. It's, it's an honor to be a part of, of brands that have stood the test of time because they, they are really special to so many people. So. I know you briefly... Take off my coat. Oh, go ahead. Come burning on. Up. Uh, it's, folks at home, it's not what you think. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, is she, uh, Samantha is very, a uh, very lovely wo- woman, and I'm not going to hold that against. <laughs> um, she has aged very. I haven't seen young pictures of her, so I'm going to say she's aged very well. People, people still say I look this. I look pretty oh, much I the same, and knees. I sound the same. It's nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm, I got to sit because my knees are going out. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as young as I was either. Um, <laughs> I think the re- I know you touched on the live action gem movie. I think the um, it wasn't the fact from what I heard it wasn't the fact that some of the things were changed. It was that the folks behind the scenes, uh, mostly the producers and probably the studio, uh, contacted a lot of the fans, the the old school fans, to be a part of the movie and where they were remembering the nostalgia of the show that you were part with and where the movie went left instead of mirroring you know think everybody was thinking it was going to be part of, like the cartoon or similar to it people wanted to audition for the role of Jam for the role of Jerrica so I mean I do understand I, I get it I just um, it was it, it, I guess I saw it in a more of a business paradigm because I just thought this is a chance for the Gem brand to come out to a whole new generation of kids who will then investigate the source material and fall in love with the cartoon. So, you know, in in my business, we're so used to not, we, we can't get attached to anything because you end up in a mental institution if you got attached to to what you want wanted things to look like and got attached to outcomes. So I, I guess I was coming more from that place, um, you know, and, and it was just lovely to be invited to be a part of it and, you know, maybe we'll get a sequel, maybe we won't. But but yeah, it would have been nice if they'd stuck more closely to the original. And are, are you surprised that um, Gem has lasted this long, or that it oh, yeah. it has held up this long? Yeah, I mean, who knew? But you know, looking back, it's got so much heart, and it's obviously it's really campy and over the top, and it's and it's screams '80s in every way. But it's it's got a genuine, real heart to it. And and I remember when I auditioned for it, they told me, you know, we want very real reads. We want the kids to feel like you're their friends and they can look up to you. So they didn't want us real cartoony. And I think that you know they also weren't afraid to to jump into some pretty dark subject matter. Because I mean, Gem opens with a funeral. So they, they deal with the death of a parent and they deal with drug addiction and all kinds of pretty intense stuff in a cartoon. And they did it really, really well. Granted, it was campy. And you, you went from there. Uh, 
What other work after that uh, have you done prior after? Oh my gosh, um, I did a. Everybody has to have a cheesy B horror movie in their arsenal. So that was an horror movie, actually, when I was working on Gem, and I did a ton of commercials and um, and uh, then I, you know, I've been a musician since I was. I've been singing since I was a small kid. So I have a ton of my music in film and TV, and I really started to focus on that when the celebrities were starting to really. You know, I was auditioning against Alicia Silverstone and Drew Barrymore and you know they were going with names so I really kind of was at a turning point where I wanted to focus more on my songwriting and my music and uh, that, you're talking in reference to animation voice acting yeah, yeah. Uh, even though I didn't get a chance to speak to, about that particular talk with um, Michelle I'll ask you uh, what are you th I know there has been some resentment with a lot of the mainstream voice actors uh, I'm not going to mention names the, the ones that have the uh, variety, vocal variety yeah. to do the variant of voices um, there seems to be a little bit of disdain because a, a lot of studios are going with the Drew Barrymore's the Alicia Silverstone's the Tom Cruise's uh, wh what are your thoughts in reference to that well you know I mean it's just the business it, it, it's show business and and you got to be in it for the long haul and you got to just love what you do and and adapt to the the new landscape so that's what I did and I've always loved music it's been my passion forever so I was like oh okay so I guess I'm getting pushed into like fronting a million bands and touring with a Pink Floyd tribute band and, and writing music and so you know before we uh, move to music because I wouldn't mind touching on that for a little bit and to get away from I know you'd be asking asking a whole mess of gem questions this past weekend but oh sorry um, how would you feel about if Jim actually was remade again as a cartoon? Oh, that would be no. It's okay. It would it would be fantastic. And I've thought, you know, how wonderful if Netflix developed something, uh, maybe based more on the original, and uh, and maybe sort of taking it into the 21st century, like the comic books have, would be really fun. And I know a lot of us voice actors are still around. You know, I'm actually really good friends with Piz the voice of Pizzazz, Patricia. We both live in Nashville. Um, so you know, who knows what Hasbro has up its sleeve? But it'd be really fun to see it come back because it's such a sweet property and it means so much to uh, the original generation but it's got such a good message for kids you know? um, moving to what kind of you said you're singing now what kind of or type of music are you singing well I've done I've been a session singer in LA for a million years so I've sung everything uh, don't mean to pause you for, but for the sake of the listeners what is a session singer it's where you get hired to sing jingles and uh, songs for other songwriters that are getting pitched to other artists and songs uh, for songwriters that are being pitched to film and TV so I've done a ton of that um, and it's like you know can you sound like a 16 year old girl Avril Lavigne no vibrato for this you know uh, soundtrack or whatever so I've done lots of stuff like that so I've sung pretty much everything but my own artist vibe um, I'm moving into more of a dance music realm which I love and uh, so I, I've seen pop basically with dance electronica elements I've got a new album coming out in February called Hologram, which is kind of my love letter to the fans that are. Um, I was I was going to ask you what what's coming out, but uh, you said you were uh, a singer since 13. I was going to ask you if being a part of Gem and the Holograms led to you to become a singer. No, actually, I did my first professional show in uh, South Africa when I was seven, and um, made a record when I was eight, and toured all over Africa when I was a little kid, and sang for the prime minister. And so I've been performing since I got before. My dad says before I cut my second teeth. <laughs> but um, no, Jem was just such an awesome thing. Kind of got to live out my rock star fantasies because it was like, hey, thanks for coming to our concert. And we're Jem and the Holograms. Yay! And, you know, it was, it was awesome to just step into those. Uh, into that role of a, a, yeah. a high-end pop singer that actually stepping in. Exactly. And, you know, I d I've sung 
I've sung material similar to what Britta had to do with Jam, like belting chest voice super, super high, and it's not the funnest uh, way to sing. So I'm, I, you know, my hat's off to her. I didn't, I didn't actually have to do that, which was great, and I got to focus on an, on this whole other realm of voice work, which was just an epic, amazing time working with the incredible voice actors. We recorded ensemble together, which was very, very fun. What advice do you have to the up-and-coming uh, song singer and voice actor or actress? I just say really learn your craft. You know, go go take classes. Uh, there are lots of workshops for voice actors where you can learn about your craft. You, so you can also get a reel done, and you know, and also what you guys have that I didn't have back in the day is YouTube and the internet because anything that you want to really wrap your brain around, there are tutorials and there are people who have put it out there. Um, you can have mentors online, basically, and, and that's an incredible gift. So I would highly recommend taking advantage of that because otherwise, you know, you're just kind of <laughs> plodding along, doing the best you can. Uh, do you have any message for a lot of the young, uh, I don't want to say girls, young ladies out there that want to step into the role? I know it... What I asked was a general, but a little kind of a message to the young ladies out there that might be guessing themselves. Um, you don't have to take off your clothes to be successful, <laughs> and uh, you know, just just really um, be find what makes you unique and and embrace that because I think at the end of the day, when we're all trying to like be like everybody else, you lose your specialness. And I think the people that rise in the business are the ones that we we perceive as somehow special but I think they're just being their unique beautiful selves and they're sharing the unique talent so nurture that and uh, don't let anybody push you around and and be kind and be on time and be your word and go kick some butt <laughs> well um, even though this is gonna be a short episode is there anything else you'd like to say to everybody out there um, just uh, thank you all of you that already follow me on my um, social media and I'm easy to find if you don't it's samanthanewyork.com and I hope you'll stay hi I admin my pages is when I'm able to and um, I like corresponding with the fans so uh, I'll let you uh, thank you for the interview Samantha uh, I'll contact you through your at least your social media uh, I'll let you know when the episode is posted thank you guys it's a Lanco mafia podcast you screeding up you're listening to the long coat mafia Capish. and welcome back Everyone, I hope you enjoyed going down memory lane with us in this bonus retrospective anniversary episode. And uh, before I go and close out the show, let me just say I would like to think that these two interviews that we did back in 2016 helped us get into Otacon for when we applied that there in 2017, just a month after our second anniversary because with Otacon it you had to be in existence at minimum two years in order to qualify and I think you had to do other uh, con events as well they want proof that you were doing stuff and these were the two interviews that I I did in regards to showing Otacon that we we do interviews we do con coverage and so forth and so on now, as always, as I've been saying at the end of uh, a lot of fo- episodes and so forth and so on, uh, we are partnered up with W Energy. Uh, if you want to buy something from W, if you're feeling under the weather, if you're feeling down and out and need some extra energy, and you don't want to buy G Fuel or Monster, and you need something that's sugar-free, like me, you need something that's sugar-free, and you want something that might be an energy drink as well. Well, you could. You don't have to buy G Fuel. And support another type of YouTuber or podcast. You could support us by going to w.gg and using the code LCM Podcast for 10% off your order. And all everything you buy using that code helps us here at the Long Coat Mafia Podcast and what we do with Sasha, the Princess of Darkness. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes ordering with uh, companies like G Fuel and Dubby can be a little bit expensive. But if you still want to support us and you want to help uh, complete the challenge of, uh, in essence, we dared all of you listeners out there 
that if we break our crowdfunding goal to help get us uh, uh, new or newest equipment and so forth and so on, well, I'll get into that in a moment, uh, I will, at the end of one of our main episodes, since that goal is um, beaten and everything else, when I say uh, I'm a gamer and I'm wearing a bikini, I will take off my shirt showing that I am actually wearing a bikini top. Now, it doesn't have to be one person to help crack that crack that goal, but it only takes one person. So all of you who uh, uh, donate to our GoFundMe to help do that, you'll all get it, probably get a kick if when you see that. Uh, it's just me having a fun challenge. That's all. There's no malice or anything like that behind it. Um, so if you want to see that happen, I, GoFundMe link is in the uh, description down below. Uh, whatever you could donate uh, is fine. It's if, it, if it's a dollar, it's a dollar. If it's ten bucks, ten bucks. Whatever you feel like giving, you can do so. Uh, also, we do have a Patreon uh, as well, and it's set to the lowest possible amount, which is three dollars. Uh, we couldn't set it for two dollars or a dollar. It had to be three bucks. Uh, that's not our doing. It's Patreon's doing. Uh, but you'll have access to a few things that we might not want to put on YouTube or we choose not to put on YouTube. Plus, um, that's clips or anything like if we ask a question and we don't want to post it up on YouTube, we'll post it up on Patreon. You get a chance to answer that question. We'll have polls. Um, we'll have uh, full episodes before they hit YouTube. So you'll get some exclusive stuff. And plus, you'll get shout-outs as well if you go through the route of Patreon as well. So there's that. Not to mention, let me say this: if you can't, if if three dollars a month is too much much for you, if donating a couple of bucks through GoFundMe is too much for you, if buying through um, W.GG is too much for you, we get it, we understand. Liking, sharing, subbing, listening to us uh, through your favorite platforms of choice whether it be youtube apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify podbean whatever uh, sub subbing up helps us uh commenting helps us uh liking our posts helps us uh even on facebook our facebook is facebook.com slash the lonco mafia podcast all that helps us even liking and sharing on twitter helps us liking our posts on instagram helps us all that stuff is in the description down below. So just follow us, like us, share us. All that is absolutely free. So as somebody that is on an extremely tight budget, all that helps us. So I understand. I get you. But we're trying to do these these fundraisers so uh, we are able to not just get new or newish equipment, but if uh, Sasha... Princess of Darkness comes down to pick us up, or one of the show's many friends that comes that might come down to pick us up for an event, or wants us to uh, come with them to an event. It helps us uh, help with their gas costs. It helps us uh, with meal costs, hotel costs, and all that. And plus, if you want to see receipts, we'd be more than happy to share those receipts on Instagram and or Facebook. So, or I should say, everything we post on Instagram goes straight to Facebook. If you want us to post them on Twitter as well, we could post them on Twitter. So, and we'll keep all your names nice and private. So, we, you don't worry about docs and we will we'll keep everything else unless you want us to share your name. But we will not share your address. So, uh, shout out to everybody that does and everything else. We will show our work. We'll show our receipts if you need to. So, once again... I'm the Reverend Godfather, a.k.a. the Martinsburg Madman. I am out of here. So stay tuned for the next uh, video and or audio episode. See ya. You've been listening to the Long Coat Mafia Podcast, the Internet's most hated and mafia-themed geek podcast. 